0: break the routine, we're going to do things different today. I'm not going to do my normal sermon. Some of you are thinking, oh, me. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I want to take some time uh, for us to, to pray. Um, in fact, I want to hand out to you some uh, uh, handout that will guide us in some of our time to pray. I want to pray especially about marriage. Um, If you see in your bulletin, you'll see that we're talking about prayer um, or marriage in North Carolina. And just kind of was convicted and see a need that before we do much more talking about marriage, we must do a lot more praying about marriage. And so just providing a, a handout for you to take home. In fact, you'll, some of you will see this on the end of your pews. If you're sitting on the end, you can go ahead and grab that. And I uh, want to lead us in a time of prayer. Uh, many of you know, um, you're, if you're not, you're learning about the amendment issue in our state, May 8th, where there will be a vote uh, regarding marriage. Um and uh, I, I've spent some time on Wednesday night talking about that. Next Sunday, uh, I don't want to talk about the, the political activity as much as I want to talk about what the Bible has to say about marriage in general. And you've heard me, if you've been here uh, a few years, you've heard me talk about this a few times. Uh, whether it was the Ten Commandment issue or when we were together in Genesis, uh, spent some length talking about that. Uh, but I, it it's apparent that it is a continual. Need in our body of believers to be considering what does the Bible have to say about marriage? Because the issue that believers are dealing with is not just a vote. The issue that we must deal with is what does God have to say about marriage for me personally? It it is no question in our society that marriage has a low value. I have a couple of dear friends of mine I've known since I was in middle school. Um, they were in a youth group with me. And um, they were married. And I just found out just a couple months ago that these two believers, attenders of church, members of a church, members of my dad's church when I grew up, uh, the husband said to her, I don't want to see you anymore. I just don't like you anymore. And that was it. Through a text. Sent that through a text. Uh, Grandma died and said, I don't want you to come or your kids. Your kids. And I was just angry at him. But it's this acceptability of just, this is okay. Okay. As a believer, if I don't like someone anymore that is my spouse, I don't like them anymore, I don't love them anymore, that it is perfectly okay to dissolve the marriage that we have and let me go on to greener pastures. And I was just shocked, and and maybe you're shocked that I'm shocked, but I was just shocked knowing what this guy and this girl have been exposed to through, through church that somewhere along the way he had gotten to the point where it's okay do whatever I want to do and society will tell him it's okay he will find and she will find plenty of shoulders for them to cry on and their shoulders will say just follow your heart They'll have plenty of advice about that. And I've I've shared with you before that, that Scripture has something to say about a heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can understand it? And it is no fitting counselor for your life, your heart. It will take you down dark paths. And so this is the the world we live in, and you've got Brad and Pitt and Angelina, Jolie, just, is that to say it right? Does that sound right? You know who I'm talking about, evidently, so, Uh, but yay, they decided to get married. It's all in the press, and we're all, about time. And all along the while, they said, well, what's the point of getting married anyway? It's just a social deal. You know, we're just going to commit to love one another. As long as we love one another, it's, it's all good. Um, and, and now we're going to adopt kids. And, and so you've got that. You've got um, Kim Kardashian's debacle of just uh, getting married for 30, 60 days. And then they're out. And you see that over and over again. So we expect that in our society our our role models our influences the celebrities of our day you don't expect them to stay married we're surprised when they do so you've got this this world that we live in and then you you've got the political aspect of let's just make sure that our constitution supports and defines marriage as a man and a woman um, and we're having this vote for this amendment of this amendment that that states this and so the the um many churches are are pushing that some churches are not pushing and pushing against that which blows my mind um i'm just thinking what rule book are they going by um and you, and so um how do we deal with this and, and so i just want you to understand that the issue is not just a political issue but it's about the marriages that are in our church body the issue is your marriage if you're married uh, the issue is your parents' marriage. Okay? The issue is your children's marriage. That is the issue that is at stake. And, and I'm going to just say, let's, let's keep the circle tight first looking at us and our marriages. And I just want to I have a statement on this handout. Before there's a vote for marriage in North Carolina, believers in Christ must pray for marriage. We must pray for marriage. And so as much as we may be pushing this vote we need to be praying for marriage now second corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 through 5 is kind of my argument as to why prayer is needed second corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 says for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of god take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And I just want to bring to our thoughts that prayer is appealing to God's power. About thoughts that are lofted up against God's direction, we must deal with it on a prayer level. And so, I know how hard it is for you to come out to pray, so I'm going to do a little bait and switch. <laughs> come out to church you come out to sing you come out to hear me teach or preach or you just tolerate it and let's let's pray instead and i'm going to just take you through some verses for to think through and to pray through uh first of all i think it's appropriate for us to thank god for marriage what is it whose design is it i've shared with you that uh, marriage i think is testimony the fact that God exists because if God didn't exist would there be marriage think about that If God didn't exist would there be marriage the fact that we see marriage across society I think it's testimony to his very existence we start in Genesis when we talk about marriage when Jesus was ever asked about marriage he was asked a few times about divorce, remarriage. He always went back to Genesis. He said, And basically he says, <clears throat> we've got a question about it? Do what I do? Go to Genesis. God said it all right there. And how he created it. And so Genesis chapter 1, from the very beginning, verse 27 to 31. So God created man in his own image. And the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So right from the very beginning, gender matters. Gender matters and it comes to a point of, uh, for the purpose of showing the image of God, revealing the image of God. Let me just bring to your attention that marriage is not primarily there for your happiness. So when my friend says to me, I just don't like you anymore and I don't love her anymore, and I will say, Well, you know, that's your problem. You need to love her, it's not a feeling and it's not about you being happy it's about being a uh, showing the image of god male and female come together to reveal the image of god holiness christ likeness is the point of marriage for believers okay so god created man in his own image and the image of god he created him male and female he created them gender matters and god blessed them god blessed the a mixing of gender. A male with the female, he blesses that. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so the mixing of the of the, of the genders is something that God blesses with the end result of being fruitful and multiplying It's in the design. God said, Behold, I've given you every plant. He gives us the ability to, to rule over this world, to be to co-rule with them. You shall have these things for food, and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath the life. I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made. Behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. It was very good. Amel male... And a female coming together, ruling and stewarding this earth, God calls good. Now, what's good? What is good? From this, you see that good matches God's purposes. If it matches God's purpose and His nature, He calls it good. And I've started thinking uh, do we really have to know evil to know good? Do you really have to know evil? To know good a lot of times we think you have to know the opposite to know it think about that though isn't a sunset beautiful whether you saw a rainy day or not doesn't a flower smell good regardless of the fact you smelled sewage i don't have to have that to appreciate what is good God, before evil comes into the world, God calls it good because goodness is not defined by evil. Goodness is defined by the nature of God and his purposes. And so when he says male and female together is good, it is because it fulfills his direction and reflects his nature. And so that's when you come to chapter 2. It's not in your handout. I kind of need to actually look at the Bible here. Chapter 2. Verse 18, after repeating one after other, these things are good, these things are good, these things are good. Verse 18, it is not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. Mankind by themselves without females, God calls not good because it doesn't reflect his nature. Mankind being solitary, alone, being made in his image is a relational. God is relational in the In the Trinity is relational from eternity on. And so man being by himself was not good, did not define or fit or reflect his nature, nor did it fit his purpose. And he says, this is not good. And so he makes uh, a helper accordingly. Makes a helper accordingly. That's the word uh, suitable for us. And so this is where a woman comes into the picture. And so you, you have... The story of man trying to figure out and realizing in verse 19 and, and 20 that there's nothing in existent creation, cre- creation that is suitable for him. And so God uh, gives to him, verse 21, uh, uh, sleep. And it says, out of the stuff that man has made, out of his rib, out of his same stuff, not another pile of dirt that God breathes into, but out of his body, he makes a woman to tell that man, this woman is of the same equality as you. We're not talking about equality issues here. The creation account says men and women are made of the same stuff, fit for the same purpose of glorifying God, done two different ways. Two different ways. And so, this is the, the section now, verse 23 and 24, that Jesus quotes whenever he's asked about marriage. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When I read this, we need to thank God for marriage. It's his idea. And I will tell you, every single one of you are a beneficiary of the fact that a man and woman came together. (laughs) I know, rocket scientists, all right? You've got cause to thank him because a man and a woman got the idea of the design of God. And God's thought is that when there's the physical act, there is the marriage act. Physical act is the marriage act. Thank God for marriage, and 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 I want us to take a little bit of time uh, because there's there's not just the 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 initial benefit of this, but Ephesians five. So you read this together, verse thirty one through thirty two, and then verse twenty four and twenty five. Also, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he's quoting Genesis. Hold fast his wife; they shall become one flesh. Men's wife were both naked and we're not ashamed. Paul quotes Genesis also uh, when talking about this. But then notice at the end, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Marriage is a shadow that points to the gospel. And for the shadow to work correctly, it requires a man and a woman together. The gospel is at stake. The message of the gospel. In fact, you see later on in Revelation that uh, there's a marriage feast of the Lamb. I've shared with you before how Jesus Christ represents the groom, buying the purchase price for the bride. The church represents the bride. And that there is a faithfulness of the groom to the bride, the church. And that it is celebrated together in eternity. Listen, I I love talking with some of you who have been married a long time. Don and I got to visit someone this past uh, Wednesday. They've been married 47 years. And uh, they've been dealing, both of them dealing with cancer in their life. And um, as Eck and Judy Allen. And we were just talking to them. And, and there's just a sweetness about their fellowship together. They're joking with one another and the humor that they had. And and the, what they've been through, through the various wars. And their children, now their grandchildren. And just sharing. And I was just able to, to look at them and say, that's it. That faithfulness of marriage is a picture of Christ loving the church and all of its frailties and all of its sin jesus faithfulness rings true marriage is to be that picture and when it's short-circuited by divorce by someone giving up it never comes to show that complete picture when someone says you know what you're too much of a sinner for me to be with you i'm going to check out of this it is saying to a world you know what? That's how Christ might deal with you. If you're too much of a sinner. Christ is going to check out. Marriage is to be that picture of a faithful love. Let's take a few minutes. And just personally, perhaps if your mate's there with you, then praise God for that. If not, it's not required. Because you all are a benefit of marriage, of a man and a woman coming together. Let's take some time and thank God for marriage and the gift of marriage to society. Lord, if it was up to man we would never have the idea of being with one woman for life we would be too dominated by our impulses father it would be too hard for us the selfishness within our own heart would dominate and crush as many heart, hearts as possible Lord. father i thank you that you gave us marriage to teach us love to teach us selflessness to teach us what it is to be fruitful and to multiply. I thank you for the marriage that produced my line. Father, those who have gone before me. I thank you for them. Father, we thank you for those who may not be married yet. Lord, that they would hold marriage sacred. And Father, not do actions and emotions that are meant only for marriage. A disgrace, marriage, not keeping it honorable. Father, for the future marriages of this body, we hold you, Lord, for that. We trust in you for that. For the past marriages, those that are no more, God, we thank you for the gifts learned, experienced, for the touch of love that we got from that, learning. Father, for those who've been married for a while, those who remain married in their age, God, I thank you for those gifts, of faithfulness of love, of sharing one another. But Father, most of all, we thank you for the reality that the marriage shadow points to, that we can be loved by you more than we ever dared dream to be loved, even though we are more horrifying in our sin than we ever could imagine. And that the love there through your son, Jesus Christ, is faithful to the end, that you are the beginning and the end. And Father, that there is no one powerful enough to take us out of your hands. Your love is too great. Compassion is overwhelming. We thank you for your mercy of marriage, Lord, not just temporal, but for the eternal marriage. We pray this in your name. Amen. When we hear God's evaluation that it is good Sometimes we wonder, as we look at the reality of what we deal with, sometimes it's not good in our life. And it is right for us to confess that we have not lifted up marriage as a society. But we cannot blame the society. It is the believers who are to lift up marriage. As a church, corporately and personally, we need to confess where we have failed marriage. When I read in Genesis chapter 3, you see the failure not of mankind, but the failure of marriage in general, of Adam and Eve. Eve is being tempted by Satan through the serpent animal is trying to absorb mankind and reversing the order of God's authority and then you've got woman who follows the serpent's direction and then verse 6 of Genesis 3 when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes the tree was due to desired to make one wise she took up its fruit and ate and she also gave some of her to her husband who was with her, and he ate. The failure of man. Man was given the direction of purpose before woman ever existed. Man was to steward over this earth. Then woman came to help him with the God-given purpose. And yet you've got this encounter with Eve and the animal to whom mankind is to rule over, Satan working through. And all the while that Satan is convincing and persuading Eve, he's there and says nothing and receives from the woman. God calls him out on this when he calls man and woman to account. And he goes asking, Adam, where are you? And notice verse 17, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree. What was man's failure? Man was given leadership by God and man did not lead. He was passive. Oh, my wife cares about this more than me. I don't need to step up. I hear the echoes of this. My wife knows more than me. She ought to lead spiritually. She goes to church. She ought to lead spiritually. She just prays more than me. She ought to lead spiritually as i read the word of god we are indicting ourselves indicting ourselves giving ourselves the guilty statement it has been given to man to spiritually lead their home from the very beginning you man are the one who's to be praying for her You men are the one who is to seek God's word. You men are the one who are to speak up when challenged. Adam did not. And the world suffers. Men, when we think, that we can delegate spiritual leadership, we are sinning. We are sinning. Women, because you do know more, or maybe you do care more, when you don't let your man lead, it is a sin. This is just at the heart of a marriage. It has something to do with God's authority. You may say, oh, Pastor, you don't know the man I live with. And you're right, I don't. He could be like Adam and just stands by and lazy and quiet and not talk. Let God deal with that man because you cannot. There is no matter of amount of talking, of correcting, are punishing that you can do he needs to hear from God pray for God to work in their life I'm not telling you if your husband is beating you I'm not telling you to stay i would counsel you to get out of that situation man one of our failings is that we have purposes too shallow remember God gave the purpose to man steward over this world. It was an eternal, God-given purpose. If you're thinking about marriage and you're talking to a guy and he doesn't know why he's here, he doesn't know what he's going to do, don't marry him. How are you going to help him with a purpose he doesn't even know? Your job is to help him with the purpose. But he's got to know what that purpose is. man, seek God's purposes one of the things with this doormat mentality that sometimes is experienced in marriages is because a guy has a purpose of serving himself and he has no qualm whatsoever to say to his wife why don't you get me something to drink because he sees life about himself so consequently everyone else that comes into his life is going to be for him one of my God-given purposes is to fill this pulpit with the word of God. I asked my wife before we ever got married, you need to understand, I'm called to be a pastor, to be a preacher. Not every woman can put up with something like that. And she acknowledged before we ever got married, before we ever got serious in dating, this is what God wants me to do also. And it was something done in her life Before we ever met What does that mean That means she's not there Just to cater To my whims There is a charge within her When I'm doing something When it's not filling the pulpit That's contrary to that She's got every ground To call me out on that Because we're serving the same purpose We need to be praying about this in our own marriages men do you know your purpose wives are you helping with the purpose god's gifted each one of you to complement. there's a reason why you're different there is diversity that god is advocating in a man and a woman being together we read in scriptures that god has called us as believers to to be characteristic of God. To practice his holiness. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. But you are washed you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Listen, there is within our heart these characteristics that are also there that we see when you think, oh no, this is part of what God does not permit. We need to understand from the Word of God that being greedy and not wanting to be generous with others is ruled out by God. And the same way, the homosexuality and being uh, not repentant of that is saying this is against God. So is being greedy is against God. I've told marriages in, in premarital counseling, I say, if you will pray together, it'll be a good thing. But also, if you learn to give together, if you learn to give financially together, It is amazing people have found that folks who are givers financially have a better marriage why because it's not all about their own desires anymore and that's fundamental in marriage giving but you see the listing here have we been guilty of idolatry of seeking things above god and hoping in them more than god of being sexually immoral. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that even with just looking upon a woman with lust in your heart, that is adultery. When pornography is rampant in a church body, it is hypocritical for us to say, let's vote for marriage. When there is this going on in our life. Confession is in order. Confession is in order. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with them, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. And put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Listen, we stand guilty. We have stamped and stepped on marriage in our life, but God has forgiveness. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What's the beauty of this? Though we once were such as these idolaters, adulterers, sexually immoral homosexuals, though this must may have been what we once were greedy. second Corinthians 5:17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ. God was reconciled the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his pill through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's take time to pray. Confessing our sins in our marriage life personal life, that we will be new in Christ, being reconciled to God. Father we do confess our sin as a church and as believers individually Father we have not held sacred marriage as we should we've taken it for granted and now that it seems to be threatened it just stands in stark contrast Father when we we don't want other people to step on it but we've been stepping on it all along Forgive us for not being one-woman type of men. Forgive us for not being one-man type of women. Forgive us for not keeping the marriage bed sacred. Father, forgive us for lust that we allow to be rampant in our heart and minds. Forgive us for wanting to go against authority that you've placed in our life, thinking our way is best and rejecting your leadership through the husband. Forgive us for thinking that we are ruled by our emotions and heart and not by your word, feeling free to dissolve commitment. Been made between one another and to you, lying to one another. Forgive us for not husbanding our wives, of caring for them physically, emotionally, spiritually helping them. Forgive us for not respecting the husbands in our life, loving them, but not respecting and so being not respecting you. Forgive us, Lord, for laughing, coarse jesting, about marriages, about our wives. Forgive us for slandering our husbands. Father, forgive us. We hold to your Christ, to your Son, make us new creations thank you that your righteousness is our righteousness and our sin is now yours we pray this in your name amen so you may be asking well how do we keep marriage sacred how do we hold it in our own life personally i would take you to titus chapter 2 verse 11 through 14 for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us. What's training us? God's grace is training us. To do what? To renounce ungodliness. God's grace is training us to renounce worldly passions. God's grace is training us to live self-controlled. God's grace is training us to live upright. God's grace is training us to live godly lives in the present age. God's grace has appeared, training us so that we'll wait for our blessed hope. What's our hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why is he blessed? Why are we waiting on him? Because he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. He gave himself for us to purify for himself a people for his own possession of who are zealous for good works how do we change how do we love our husbands how do we love our wives it is the grace of god that works in our heart to change our hearts to long and look for jesus that he is our blessed hope that is what we wait for to know that he is the one who's changing us renouncing us redeeming us to be a people with zealous for good works Their hope is in Jesus. And this is why I would counsel anyone, if you are marrying someone who is not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are putting yourself in dangerous situations. Because their hope in loving that person is Jesus Christ. What hope do they have if they don't know Jesus Christ? Is working in our life the grace of God. For our state and society as a whole, I'm not counting on those who do not know Jesus Christ to make big statements about marriage. They do, and I praise God. But I'm counting on those who know the grace of God, who know the light of Christ. Christ is counting on us, not just to vote, not just to vote for how marriage is defined, but to show how marriage is divine. To live how marriage is defined. To hope in that. If you give yourself to Christ, voting is no big deal. But I would pray that we give ourselves to Christ. Let us pray for God's working among us for political matters on May 8th. But let us also pray especially. And I want us to now pray for one another Pray for your spouse. <laughs> Some of you have been praying for them already. You shouldn't have been. <laughs> you should have been praying for yourself, all right? Now is the time to pray for your spouse. But pray for a marriage somewhere around you. Find, look around, find someone to pray for. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their children's marriage or their marriage that may happen in the future. Pray for their parents. All. Of them. Then let's pray for God's working in our state in regards to marriage. Let's pray now. Father, we do pray that North Carolina, Raleigh, Lord, would fill the influence of marriages saturated by your gospel, by you. God, I pray that this church, that as we are a greenhouse for the Great Commission, that we also, by that definition, become a greenhouse for gospel-centered marriages. Father, that we would be a church where husbands learn their purpose and will love sacrificially their wives Lord that this will be a church where wives would see the headship of Christ in their life and express that through following their husbands Father we pray that this will be a church where children would be impacted by a husband that loves their wife and a wife that respects their husband and that they would long and look for the same in their life Father we pray that this will be a church where seniors would speak and advocate marriage and would teach the young men and teach the young women what it means to be married to one another. Father, that this would be a church where widows and widowers will love you and serve you wholeheartedly, Lord, free from the encumbrance of someone else, Lord, and that they would serve you. Father, where the singles of our church body would love you with all their heart, Lord, and would give marriage... To your hands, Lord, and that you would provide as you see fit, but would trust you with that, Father, that politically the nation, the country, the state would fill the influence of marriages, being a metaphor, a shadow of the gospel, and that we would protect and define marriage not in our own way and devices or what what is society says that we would define marriage and the way that the one who created it defined it. A man and a woman for life. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. There is a political reality to all the things that we've talked about. I've asked uh, Sarah Bowman to come and to uh, share some details. Uh, Sarah Bowman is uh, involved with a group called Christian Action League. Um, and they are uh, on the forefront in many ways of uh, helping people understand what this amendment is about. Um, and if you just give us some details as to how things are progressing uh, in regards to the vote on uh, May 8th, uh, the marriage amendment.
1: Good morning. It is a true blessing to be with you this morning. I just was sitting there on the front pew, just... With wow in my heart. It really is just amazing to be um, in a church that has the spirit that this church does. And so, greetings from the Christian Action League and Vote for Marriage in NC. Um, we praise God for ministers such as Pastor Scott and the rest of your staff here, men and women of courage who lead their churches according to God's word. And we have heard the truth of God's word this morning. We know marriage is a covenant. And as Paul reflected on Jesus Christ's relationship with the church and marriage, he called it a profound mystery. Marriage is God's gift to us, where we are able to most accurately reflect His image here on earth, and is the best vehicle for teaching the gospel, as Pastor Scott highlighted this morning. We have a great responsibility. We are called as Christians to be bold, to be loving, to be salt and light and the issue before us of marriage gives us a grand opportunity and it has been a long time coming. While the marriage protection amendment may be a new issue for some of you here today, it did not come about overnight. For the past 10 years across the United States, people have been deciding what the law will be regarding marriage in their states. Unfortunately, several states like New York and Massachusetts have had the issue decided for them by activist judges. One such lawsuit was already filed here in North Carolina in 2011, but thankfully it was recently dismissed. But this is exactly why it is so essential for us to vote now in North Carolina on this issue of marriage. Over eight years ago, the late Senator Jim Forrester began championing the Marriage Protection Amendment because he and other lawmakers saw the need for traditional marriage to be protected and upheld as what is best for our society. It took over eight years to get the bill heard on the House and Senate floors. When it was heard, it passed by a bipartisan majority for the people of North Carolina to vote on this critical issue on May 8th. From a societal aspect, marriage is the cornerstone. Promoting traditional families through marriage makes a society stable. When marriage is compromised by civil unions, marriage loses its unique position in society as God had designed and the family slips further into decay and religious liberty is compromised. These facts have been established throughout time by countless sociological studies and outcomes that can be seen specifically in the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, Canada, Massachusetts, and other states over the past decade. So what can you do? We are now in the last days of the campaign. Early voting begins April 19th. The official primary is May the 8th. We have grassroots efforts speaking within churches and hosting meetings daily across the state. We have television ads that will appear in the days to come, but we are not at the finish line yet. We need volunteers to call people in their community to inform them about the amendment and to remind them to vote on May 8th. We need you to encourage your friends and neighbors to vote on May 8th to make sure they are accurately informed about the amendment. We need you to pray. We need you to volunteer. We need you to go to voteformarriagenc.com slash dashboard and sign up as a community volunteer. We need you to speak to your church staff or community group outside of the church and help coordinate these efforts. And we need your money <laughs> we need to buy airtime for accurate and truthful commercials that will reach the mass public that don't fill a pew on sunday morning but again we need you to pray we need you to be on your knees for marriage be on your knees for our culture be on your knees for those who don't know christ as their savior and be on your knees for yourself that we all might reflect this image of god as pastor scott reminded us this morning We know your pastor and your staff here at Green Pines have already taken a lot of these efforts um, into their own hands, and we are so thankful for that. We must remain diligent to the end. If you have questions about any aspect of the amendment or the campaign, uh, please see me after the service. If you're not a person who utilizes the Internet, when you hear, go to the website, VoteForMarriageNC.com, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Um, I have sign-up sheets here with me today. I'm more than happy to talk to you one-on-one about what you can do specifically in these last days. Um, but we do thank you for your diligence and your prayers and your spirit that you guys have already expressed about this issue. May God continue to bless this critical campaign and all of our efforts. And thank you for your partnership. And vote for marriage on May 8th. Thank you. Thank you.
0: you caught that last line there's some confusion and intentionally so as to what are we voting for uh the amendment is simply stating that marriage is defined by a man and a woman um and so towards saying vote for the amendment you'll often hear it described as your if you're, you're, you're going to vote against amendment one uh there's often how it's being portrayed and um they're counting on you not being aware not knowing and um You guys know I'm not a political pastor this is unusual for me but we are in a little bit different time this is not a Republican Democrat thing this is not about prayer in school this is about a very core issue that is defining how we look at marriage and it is either with the Word of God or it's against the Word of God and it's clear as day Uh, there's no gray area in this and so some situations it's necessary uh for someone like myself to to say some of the things that i've been saying and i think this is one of them Um, so i want us to be praying about this but if you know i want us to also understand that this is really about the gospel um it's not just about marriage as given by the word of god marriage is the platform through which we can share the gospel and if that gets defined any other way, sharing the gospel is going to become increasingly difficult to do in our country, uh, and, I, and that is an understatement, I believe. Um, so this is very much about that. Um, I want us to take the time uh, today as we let's close in our invitation. I want to invite you uh, one to continue to pray. Um, perhaps you don't know Jesus as your saving Lord, and it is like God to do something like that in your heart even in a talk like this uh, I want to give you opportunity to know this love that Christ can be your groom uh, I want to invite you to know that Or perhaps maybe uh, you want to uh, with your spouse pray together here at the altar uh, I invite you to do that uh, you can certainly do that make the most of this opportunity before God uh, to share with one another and say we want to commit together uh, in marriage we're going to seek the help we're going to do whatever we need to do to make sure that we go down a good path um, and so i just want to counsel you some of you are not married to a believer i would encourage you to go to first peter chapter three verses one through seven and there's direction on that and and, and god knows your heart and knows your situation uh, and there's counsel in in those those situations as well so let's just stand together